Welcome to another episode of The Real Estate of Things. I'm Nate Tronfio with Lima One Capital. Today, we get to chat with Antonio Cuccinello with Invest Starters. We get to learn what it took to get into the game, how he built it to the next level, and how he helps others continue to break down that impetus into getting into real estate investing. So let's dive in and learn from Antonio himself. You're listening to The Real Estate of Things podcast. Antonio, I am excited for our audience to get to know you as well as myself here, man. How are you doing in today's market? I'm doing well. Today's market is definitely challenging, but you know we're playing with it and learning to adapt. That's for sure. It's all fun playing games as you, you work hard and enjoy what you do, which I know is something that ties to you, man. <laughs> so let's create just a little bit of perspective on who you are and really what you've gone through to where you're at now. So what do you do now and how did you get here? Yeah, I... I'm a real estate investor and content creator, and I try to help beginner real estate investors who don't know where to start buy their first rental with the step-by-step process. So I'm trying to help the person that was me. I was a software engineer living in New York City, looking around at home prices like, I can't afford any of this. How the hell do I invest in real estate? And so it was really overwhelming to me. And so I had to break it down like an engineer to more of a do this, then this, then this. And I felt like that was missing. And so that's what I'm trying to come in. I'm not the most experienced. I'm not the the biggest name. I don't have the flashiness, but I'm here to help as much as I possibly can from my experience. Appreciate the perspective there. And just, I love the candor. And again, I'm, I'm excited for the audience to hear the, the continued passion that you have and what you do and, and who you are. So help me with a riddle here. You know, So real estate investor and content creator, they're separate, but absolutely overlapping. Break that down for me. How does that sort of work logistically then? (laughs) I would say I spend most of my time being a content creator because that is my active income. But the real estate definitely takes up a decent amount of time. And as I scale more, I could imagine it taking more and more of my time. But basically, it kind of ebbs and flows. You know, Sometimes I'll spend more time on real estate. Sometimes I'll spend less. Really depends on Am I acquiring right now? Am I waiting for a rehab to finish? Am I like buying three properties or am I buying one? Or So it all depends on exactly what I'm trying to do in that moment. And so I would say the real estate investing, the things that I learn as I'm going through it, the new strategies, new funding methods, that kind of thing. I love that because it I learn something new and then I can go ahead and make new content from it. So they work together in flow. And obviously, like I said, sometimes more one than the other. Sure. And then do you utilize and is any of your content targeted for sort of on the acquisition, driving direct to seller type leads, or is it more for, you know, helping share and impart your knowledge upon others? My information is mostly going to people who want to invest less the sellers. It could be some of the information could be used if you're trying to flip a property, but less to someone who's trying to sell a property themselves. All the properties I've gotten are on the MLS. I haven't done any off-market stuff because I consider that like another level of the game, more time and more effort. And so I haven't really done much around that. Cool. No, that makes sense. So give just a little bit of background on Investorters, though. would love to hear a little bit of sort of the pitch on what you do there, because I know that ties heavy into the content creation side. Yeah. Looking around the homes in New York City and what I had saved up as a 26-year-old living in New York, I was like, like I said, I couldn't afford anything, but I was really scared of making a mistake. Because if I had put my money into a property and it, it didn't make me money back, I'd be basically gambling my entire life savings. 
And, you know, I'm thinking I got to get married one day. I got to buy a house. I got to do this. I got to do all those things. And so I don't want to lose $30,000. That's the most amount of money I've ever had in my life. At the time, I was making content for like just a, a motivational type of stuff, like everything I was learning from any business books I was reading or self-improvement books and that kind of thing. I was talking about everything. I had no niche, no lane. And then like, as I was learning about real estate, I was like, wait a second. Like, I noticed that other people have this problem too. And so like the world's kind of over, they kind of came together. And that's when I was like, I could talk about this as I'm going through it. And so then I just started talking about it. And it ended up being that people liked that message because I actually had a lane in which I was talking in. Whereas before they're like, who's this 23 year old that knows nothing about life? Tell me about life, <laughs> you know? So it happened kind of naturally at the same time, but they all started at different times and started coming together. That's awesome, man. And, and I encourage everybody to check out the website and reviewing it and, and catching up to speed, making sure I, I got a good grasp on who you are. I can see some of the software engineer coming through and you talked a little bit about that a minute ago. So break that down in a little bit more detail. You referenced a little bit of process driven from what I interpreted. So talk to me about how you took some of those skills and experience and put it into even invest starters and what you've done investing yourself. Yeah. So one of the things after I had a first, my first couple of properties, I was interested in investing in other markets around the US, but I was really confused. I didn't know. I hadn't been to any of these places, you know, and I was basing everything off of hearsay of what someone might say on some online forum or something like that, or someone I met at a meetup. To me, I, I like numbers, right? So I came up with a process where I wanted to use data to drive all of my decisions. So this is probably one of the most things that people like the most about me is like my location research process of, I basically will come up with a list of cities that I'm interested in investing in or that I heard on some blog post or whatever. And then for each city, I will find the crime rate, the unemployment rate, the population growth, the home price, the rent price, then calculate price to rent ratio, come up with a landlord friendliness score, property taxes, median income, poverty rates, number of homes on the market. And I'll use all of those data points and I'll rank them against each other and come up with a score. And then that score spits out the best city for me to invest in theoretically, right? And then I'll take a look at it by hand. But I wrote an algorithm to do that. And now I can, I can do that in a couple of seconds across every single zip code around the United States. That's part of the software engineer for me. And, and I think long-term for my business, I would love to have a software platform that helps someone go from, hey, I got some capital, I want to invest in real estate. And by a couple of minutes later, they're getting recommended properties. They already have a lender they can work with and they already have real estate agents to work with and starting to build a team along with actual investments. That's awesome, man. Who would have guessed you come from a software engineer background and like math hearing some of that? <laughs> but that's that's really cool, man. And you know, I'm fortunate. I know you're fortunate to talk to many different shapes, sizes, colors of real estate investors. It's it's always cool and very common to see people bring their background and personalities and profiles and strengths and experience into how they go about real estate investing because you know, it's why there's such a demand for great content like yourself is because there is no one way to do it. We're all going to do it differently. And we all need to take different information and resources and blend it into how and what we want to do. And so that leads me to a question then, if somebody is getting into the game before the levels that you're at now, what are some of the best recommendations for resources that you think people should keep an eye on or look out for or make sure that they have in their pocket? Yeah. So 
in terms of meeting the right people, I would say is BiggerPockets and meetup.com are two places that you can go to try to find meetups in your city or some virtual ones to start meeting people. Because I think, again, coming from the space that I came from, I didn't have anyone that was doing this in real life. And so seeing people and meeting people and having friends that also do this was really important to me to make sure that I could see that, wow, this is real, you know? So that those two I'd consider resources, obviously having good lenders to help you and having different options. So you guys are great for that sense because I use you guys, but also having a conventional lender, if, if that's something you can qualify for or FHA lender or VA lender, whatever type of loan you're thinking about using, it's important to have that lender, but also keep your options open to make sure that you can find a good loan with the best rate and the best terms for you. I also use bigger pockets to find real estate agents in the market that you're looking in, but also Zillow's has a ranking for best agents as well. I use Rentometer a lot to get rental comps. There's a bunch of online calculators I came up with my own to analyze properties, but you could use bigger pockets or some of these other free ones that exist to basically be able to determine if properties are good deals. Obviously, Redfin is a good one as well because they give a lot of market analysis. Housing Wire is a good one if you're just looking for overall housing data, but I don't think you really need to pay attention to that for your first property specifically. Awesome. Really helpful. And I think it's just important to note that there's a bunch of resources you can pay money for or you can get for free, but they're bountiful and plentiful. It's cool to hear and appreciate all the specifics you give because I'm sure listeners will get a lot of value out of that. I do want to go back in time you know, and really break down that final impetus to get into the real estate investing game that you talked about. You had more a corporate-esque job. You had some good money in the bank. But like break down sort of the mental and physical actions that you took, you know, take that plunge and do that first deal and any suggestions that you have or learning lessons along the way. Yeah. It was like a cold plunge, you know, like stepping into it. I didn't, I was scared and nervous, but I still did it. And what I tried to do was do things to help myself feel more comfortable along the way. So I first read tons and tons of books, and that helped me feel really confident. That helped me get a little bit of motivation to keep applying a thing or two. The thing that eventually pushed me over the edge was it was two events that happened pretty side by side. I had wanted to invest. Now, this is like three and a half years and counting almost four. And I went to this real estate meetup and I met this guy. And he was talking about how he basically became financially free on his first deal. He got a 20-unit apartment complex and started making $40,000 a year. Now, this was in 1970, so it was a little bit different. (laughs) And he got it in New York. So (laughs) there's a huge difference. But I was like, hey, man, are you cool if I ask you a few questions? Because I really feel like I wanted a mentor. I asked him a few questions. And he was like, no, because you're asking me to give you something without anything in return. And I felt like so rejected that like I had no value to give to this guy, that that was a huge motivating push. And then like literally a day or two later, I got an email from my landlord in the city that he was like, yeah, we're going to increase your rent by 15%, which ended up being like 250 bucks. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, that's ridiculous. I have a good job. I pay on time. I don't have parties. I don't complain about anything. Like, I got to figure out how to be on the owner side of things and not on the renter side of things. And those two events really pushed me into action. And from there, I basically took out the books. And every night, as soon as I got home from work, I basically would like... I remember taking out... I have a millionaire real estate investor up there. I remember looking at that and like 
all right, the first thing I got to do is figure out what city I'm going to invest in. And so I started looking at the data points they said to look at. And I looked at the book on rental property investing. I started pulling those things out. And that's when I started coming up with my process, but it wasn't like what it is today. And so that helped me feel comfortable about the areas I was looking in. And then I immediately just took the jump and I like started looking at properties on Zillow, but I wasn't pre-approved. So I had to, I ended up contacting a real estate agent and he was like, you need a pre-approval letter. Otherwise, you know, we can't really work together. So I, I called the bank, I got pre-approved. And so it, it, that started building momentum in my head. Like, oh, wow, I'm actually doing this. You know, I took these actions. I'm telling people about really doing this in real life. Like a lender knows, an agent knows. And so I started putting in some offers. And the first one was really scary because I was like, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if this happens? And after I put the offer in and I... That first deal I ever put an offer in probably would have been the best deal I would have ever gotten in my life. <laughs> it was like a $60,000 duplex that is probably worth like 350 today and wow. it probably rents for like 3500 and I was scared to offer 120 when I definitely could have offered 120 at the time, but I was just like what if this happens and what if that happens? So I basically learned my lesson of don't wait to put offers in and don't be too scared and don't be so conservative you can't do anything. So then I basically started learning like, okay, if this is happening in real life, like if the current landlord is making this much and the current landlord's costs are this much, then with this new mortgage price, I can't go wrong. I'm using the numbers that are actually existing today. And so I, like, I needed that baseline to feel comfortable because I was so scared of losing money. Now, obviously today I'm not nearly as scared, but I still come from that very conservative when I'm analyzing properties and DSCR minimums are like, you know, 1.25 for a lot of lenders, but I'm usually a lot higher than that because I'm so scared of not getting the 1.25. So that was a lot. But yeah, sorry, I tried to sum it all up of what I did. No, I, I, honestly, that's exactly what I was hoping for is like you truly put us in those shoes. And so those that have been through those steps, I'm sure that many can relate. And those that are probably in those steps right now uh, can also take some good lessons away from it, you know, and just sort of summarizing some of the key themes, you know, there's a realm of knowledge that you need to have. There's also a degree of comfortability, but then yet confidence that you need in order to execute. You need to figure out your whole capital stack, whether it's you have money, but you also need a lender. And then at the end of the day, you can't sort of let analysis by paralysis take a hold of you and you got to take some action. Otherwise, by definition, you'll never be in the game if you don't take the action to, to get into it. If there's anybody that is just sort of in that wanting to get in the game, but still a little bit stuck and can't get out of their own way. Is there any just further advice or feedback that you would give to someone in that position? Because I know that's what you do a lot is help people to get into the game. Yeah. I would say you first got to figure out what is the thing that is making you scared. So if it's like a fear of tenants destroying your property, well, there's things we can do about that. We can try to find tenants that have never been evicted before, do a background check, do a credit check, make sure they have the right income, try to get a referral from a previous landlord. Like There are things you can do to minimize your risk. And so as long as you realize that, the first thing is, is figure out what the thing is that's making you scared. And then second, do all the things that would help minimize that risk. And then third, if you still feel not comfortable, sometimes it will require some push over the finish line to feel confident about it because we can't get through all of the way. That's great advice, man. And it's funny, 
you know, a lot of us always remember our firsts of many of things. Um, and, but first deal is always one, always has a special moment. And that's why I just really appreciate you getting into the detail of breaking that down. So I want to ask you another question, and it's around sort of what's your why. What was sort of your why then? I mean, we heard the story, but summarize, what was the why then? And is that different or is that the same now? And like, what's your why now? Yeah. So there's a personal why of like a selfish reason why, and then there's a more altruistic reason why. The personal reason why I started investing in real estate to begin with was my family. My dad is a contractor and he has arthritis in his his shoulders, his hips, and his knees. And so both my parents are immigrants from Italy. They came here. They worked really hard to put me, my brother, my sister through good schools and live in a good area. And we didn't have a lot of money growing up, but I had enough money to do those things. And for me, that was a huge sacrifice. I feel like they sacrificed their whole life for us. And so I just want to give back to them and help them enjoy the rest of their life. Now, my dad's 61, so he's still got some time, God willing and everything. But my objective is to get him off of his knees. So this way he doesn't have to be in pain every day just to put food on the table. And then my mom... My mom's not as bad because she's a pharmacist. She's not like in pain when she's at work, but she, you know, still sacrificed. She stayed at home, mom, keep us all there. So that's like the selfish reason why, I guess. And then the altruistic reason why it was that moment I had with that real estate investor was pretty humiliating to get like rejected in person, felt pretty bad. And so, like, I had such a feeling of like, hey, I just need a little bit of help. Can you just give me a little bit of help to get over that? And he didn't want to help me. I was like, that's it. I need to help as many people as I can because that feeling was so bad that I didn't want anyone else to experience it. So trying to make as much content and make the content... like When I'm, when I'm writing and I'm thinking about what I'm going to say, I really try to sit back and say, like, how is that person going to take this? And is there a way I can explain it more simply, more concisely, a way for them to get it easier? This way, they can get over whatever problem they have. Man, that was powerful. I would definitely tell you, as you called the so-called selfish reasons, I call that still very selfless. <laughs> I mean, you, you, it was just really the passion really came out of there. And I just love the big picture altruistic reasons as well. But at the end of the day, look, we all have to have some understanding of why and to me, that can evolve, that can stay the same and be consistent, but a lot of it needs to be identified in this. And again, don't let that get people to the point of paralysis by analysis, but it's an important, you know, we are human beings that do better with a purpose. So we went back in time. It's just really cool to hear the why that's driven you from then into to where you're at now. What was then like sort of a middle ground from when you first did your first deal to then where you're at now, I believe you told me it's about eight properties, 18 units in different phases and realms. But what was sort of the inflection point to where you're like, all right, I'm going to keep going deeper in this. Like, Can you break that down? It was right after my first property. I was like, how do I do this again? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I, now I, I was like, now I have no money. Now what do I do? So I just kept analyzing properties. And then like I was like, hey, this works. Like, now that I've seen it go through, I was like, this works. So I was reading Raising Private Capital by Matt Faircloth at the time. And I didn't know anyone who had money, but my dad owned his house. I was like, I got a W-2 job. I could take a loan out on his house and 
we can buy other properties. And so my dad hates debt. So I was like, listen, I will fix these two properties up. Let's take some cash out. We'll fix the two properties up. I'll get the loan under my name and then we'll pay it off. So you'll, you know, at the end of the day, then we'll just keep moving forward with those. And he was okay with it. My mom was not. (laughs) So we bought two properties cash. We added some value to them and then I refinanced them. Now, like right before I was about to refinance them, this was March, 2021. I was talking to my dad and I was like, look, we're at the time he had COVID at the, at the time he was saying this and he had COVID so bad, like muscle pain wise that he couldn't really walk probably because of his arthritis and stuff. So I said, look, we have the option right now to refinance these properties and pay off your loan. You could have, you know, no debt and be happy, but then we're kind of stuck because all the money that we use is stuck into this. Instead, what we could do is, is refinance these and then go buy a few more. And I think it was because he finally realized like, I'm about to turn 60 at the time and I can't walk right now. Like I need something else to retire. So it clicked in his head. like, okay, we got to keep doing this then. And for the most part, all of my family members have been pretty passive on everything. And now I'm trying to get them involved in the business, my brother and my sister as well, because we all have different strong suits. My brother's a CPA. My dad's a contractor. My mom already handles bills for my dad's business. And my sister just happened to come out of college. I was like, let's get everyone. So that's what I'm trying to do now is kind of like impart all the knowledge that I've come up with and teach them. So this way we can have five people working together to retire my parents first and then work on us rather than just me working in solo by myself to do it. It can happen quickly. I mean, to hear that in just the two years, you built up what you built up and learned a lot. And I know you're always very humble about it as well. Do you think that, what do you think about whether it's today's market or any market, but in today, is it easier or harder to sort of grow in the earlier-ish phases of real estate investing? What's that perspective? Um, Everything that I've realized in life works in opposite directions at the same time. (laughs) So like, it's getting easier in the sense that there's more information, there's more tools, there's more websites, more free things available for you as a real estate investor. There's more data for you to make decisions. But at the same time, home prices are going higher and interest rates are going higher. And so it's got harder on that end, but it's gotten easier on this end. Whereas four years ago, when I first started investing, the data wasn't there, not nearly as much, weren't as many websites, weren't as many. There's a lot of these online lenders you can get pre-approved, you know, like all these things didn't exist. And while at the same time though, home prices were lower and interest rates were lower. And so I do think that at every stage, it has its pros and its cons. And so for me, I think everything kind of stays in balance. It just comes in different ways. Depends on where you just spend a lot of your time focusing on. Like some people are so harped on the interest rates, but to me, that doesn't matter. You know, it just matters is can I get a good deal with the interest rate? Yep. That's really great perspective. And it is, it is funny how uh, (laughs) things come together, but also move apart at the same time. Yeah. So what are your goals right now? How do you look at setting goals and what are your goals? Yeah. My goals in real estate or social media, like what are we personally? Any way you want to take it. Okay. So like I mentioned already, my goal is to retire my dad first, then my mom. That's more like a couple of year goal, I would say. Right now, a goal has kind of been like 
stabilizing everything and accessing as much capital as I possibly can. So taking out HELOCs where I can, taking out lines of credit where I can, refinancing where I can. So this way I can shore up my funds. This way I can go ahead and buy more. I kind of stopped looking at things in like goals, but more of like, I know this is a direction I want to go in. Every year I would set goals and I would never hit the goals every single year. It was really bad. And I would get depressed and sad about it because I would beat myself up. So now I just stopped setting goals. And instead I say like, okay, I know I want to go there. And so it's just like, what's the thing in front of me to get there? What's the thing in front of me to get there? And I just do that instead. And it's worked out a little bit better for me. At least I've, I've surpassed the things I haven't set. So. <laughs> <laughs> I personally can relate because, um, you know, in the role that I fill and have a really great, awesome sales team and army, I'm very passionate about ensuring that different teams and individuals have goals to set milestones and make them, you know, the SMART acronym. But then on my personal level, I'm very comparable to you. I need to see the vision. I know I'll figure out the strategy. I need to figure out how to make myself take the action to get there and, you know, just move in the direction that I know I need to move in. So I can relate and it's a little bit uh, of a dichotomy in my opinion, but at the end of the day, it can touch back to your why. And you do have to have some realm of vision, whether it's a specific spelled out smart goal or it's just broad open-ended. I know I want to keep investing. I know I want to increase my cash flow on my assets. And, and I know I want to stay more liquid, which is really sound advice right now because it's an interesting part in the market. But at the end of the day, because of the other factors you talked about, rates going up, pricing going up, it's more important to be well liquid and capitalized to take advantage of opportunities. And then also, as you know, well, is that not every deal and almost every deal never goes as planned. <laughs> uh, so liquidity and capital can afford you and allow you the ability to navigate through it without forcing your hand and pointing you in a corner so that you have to make tougher decisions there. Yeah. So what's then your outlook on the market right now? You think it's great times ahead or, or what are you anticipating being different in the future? We have an underlying problem. I try to pay attention to the data. This is my first like real recession because the last one I was in high school. So I really try to pay attention of all the other ones that have happened. And I try to learn from real estate investors who've been through a few of them to give me like sound advice. This way I'm not just listening to a crazy headline of everything crashing or everything going up. And so the core problem that we're experiencing is lack of supply. It's not demand, but the Fed is acting like it's demand. And they keep trying to lower the demand, but there's like natural factors that are forcing the demand to go up as the demand's going down. So like the interest rates are theoretically supposed to reduce the demand because people can't buy. But at the same time, you have a bunch of people my age who are like, I'm ready. I've been renting. I'm ready to buy a house. And so the demand is kind of like staying the same. And the supply is staying the same because no one wants to sell because then if they sell, they have to move out and get a 3% interest rate on the same house. So the only thing that could happen is either A, unemployment goes up, which causes people to force to sell and people to not be able to buy. That's one. Two, the government does something to try to actually fix the housing supply, which I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I don't think they actually do anything that actually tries to help us in the long term. <laughs> <laughs> I have to preface that, otherwise I'll get called that. But like, if you look at everything they've done, I got to think that they're smart people to getting to the positions that they're in, but they don't seem to realize that the core problem is a supply. And for me, the solutions of that would be incentivize companies to come up with new ways to build homes faster and quicker with better technology. 
give tax breaks to builders so they build homes quicker and faster and in more locations. Reduce zoning regulations so we can turn single-family houses into duplexes, into triplexes, into quads. Then you have more supply in the same block magically. And I had a more of a pie-in-the-sky idea, which was we need to create new towns that you give like regular everyday employees like a $10,000 tax break to move to these new towns to relocate while at the same time you get builders to build houses for cheap in those areas so you could buy like a brand new three bed two bath if the economics work this way i'm just giving high level numbers but for like 100 150 grand so you give people the incentive you get a tax break to move to this area and you can buy a brand new house and live there cheap while also incentivizing things like restaurants and bars and bowling alleys, escape rooms, whatever you got to do to get people to have fun in those areas. Because people my age like fun and people around. They don't just want to move to the middle of the country. So if they did something like that, I think that'd be a cool, innovative way to fix supply, especially because the people who are in LA, New York, and San Francisco would move out, reducing the demand, and then make supply better in those markets. These seem like common sense options to me. The fact that they're not doing it is what makes me have the belief that I have. But this is my pitch to be housing secretary. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to the palace now. That was a good pitch there, man. No, but I think, you know, really great breakdown of what the true ultimate fundamentals of supply and demand are doing in the market right now. And I love then your solution mindedness and a number of ways that it can happen. It's just going to be really interesting to see how some of this plays out. I think at the same time, there's still a ton of opportunity I think you hit it on the head. You know, new construction is something that we need to continue to focus on. Where we're at at Lima One Capital, we see a lot of it. And then as you just drive around different sizes of markets, primary, secondary, tertiary, there's a lot of new product going up and in. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And we'll see if good old Uncle Sam has a big hand in it or they do have a hand they do or don't know what they're doing. But to your point, there's a plenty of smarter people than I am making those decisions. And good thing I'm not in that seat. So... <laughs> Either way, if you're in that seat, you get hated on. So it doesn't matter. Exactly. Exactly. That is absolutely the truth. So Antonio, man, you could go wherever you want with this, but what's the last sort of piece of feedback or words of wisdom that you want to leave with the audience here as we close out? Yeah, I'd say if you're a beginner, realize that this has been done by a lot of people before. A lot of people that are probably dumber than you and probably don't have as much money as you, probably don't have the degrees, probably don't have the family support system. There's always an excuse, right? And so realize that they've done it and been successful. So it's possible for you to too. It's just a matter of you learning the right things and taking the right actions. And as long as you do that, I think you'll be okay. Real estate's a pretty well-worn path, hence why I'm doing it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here either. Man, well, that is very well said, and that's a wrap. So I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Antonio Cuccinello. This is another great episode here on the real estate of things. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite platform. Check us out on Tuesdays for new episodes to drop, and you can always find all things on the real estate of things on our website, www.realestateofthings.co. Antonio, man, thank you again. And we're going to have to bring you back because I'm excited to continue to follow you along as you continue to find success in real estate investing, man. Appreciate it, Nate. Have a good day, everyone. Are you a real estate investor looking for the right lender that can finance all your deals and help you scale? Lima One Capital has the best suite of loan products in the industry, bar none. 
Whether that's fix and flips, fix and holds, building new construction, or buying rental properties, they have incredible financing solutions for it all. A reliable, common-sense lender is one of the most important parts of your investment team, and that's exactly what you get with Lima One. Let Lima One Capital show you how they've helped thousands of real estate investors scale and increase their wealth. Check out LimaOne.com or call 800-259-0595 to speak with a consultant in preparation for your next project. Thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate of Things podcast. Subscribe and tune in weekly for new content from the industry's best while we continue to unpack the nuances of this dynamic market. Follow us across social media for additional insights and analysis on the topics covered in each episode. And remember to rate, review, and share the show.